Welcome to Beyond Synth. Please note, Beyond Synth is an explicit program and may contain inappropriate language. Listener discretion is strongly advised. Hey there, welcome to the show. My name is Andy Last, and this is Beyond Synth, the best synthwave chat show there is. And that is the catchphrase that I've decided is the catchphrase of Beyond Synth. So there you go, episode 89. Beyond Synth has a catchphrase, and it is Beyond Synth, the best synthwave chat show there is. Ain't that the truth? All right, guys, this is episode 89 of Beyond Synth. Today, my guests are returning champions, The Midnight. And they had a cool album they released uh, last year, and we are going to talk about it. So they've uh, been on the show before. If you want to get some of the uh, more biographical information about The Midnight, because they are super talented, you can listen to episode... Jesus, what episode were they on? Hold on. It was not episode Jesus. <laughs> I don't number my show that way. Uh, let's see here. Episode... Do, 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 do. Episode 53. They were on episode 53. So you can go back and check that one out if you want to know all about how the midnight was formed and why... Uh, that's the big question. Why? Why the hell are you doing this? Uh, you can find that out in episode 53 of Beyond Synth. But today, they are returning, and um, the only reason why I preface this when I have returning guests is because I don't really go through the motions of like reintroducing people very well. So if it's your first time listening to The Midnight and I sort of jump in as if I already know who they are, because I do, I'm not sitting there going like, okay, now you're Tim. Now which one's Tim and which one's Tyler? You know, I just sort of jump in assuming that you know. So go back and listen to episode 53. Alright, are you done? Okay, back to episode 89. So guys, we're going to talk to the Midnight uh, in just a little bit. Uh, just a quick reminder that Beyond Synth, of course, is brought to you by Down to Jam, a free website that helps musicians around the world connect based on musical compatibility. If you're a musician looking for a partner to jam with or to fill a spot in your band, you're going to want to check out this site and sign up. Down to Jam dot com. And we also have a new sponsor today. Very exciting stuff. So now I'm going to go into a sponsorship mode. You love the Drive soundtrack. Even after five years, you probably still play it a couple times a month. You've probably memorized every colorful synth and ecstatic arp in every nook and cranny of every song. And the vocals. Those gorgeous vocals. But do you know the story behind the album? And what the artists think of it now? What impact did Drive have on the lives of College, Electric Youth, Johnny Jewel, and Cliff Martinez? For that matter, how did Drive change the careers of musicians like Miami Nights 1984, May Thelvin, Profiles, and Highway Superstar? You can find out all of that and more at vilingo.com. Your 
your place for all those things that make you dance, cry, and fall in love. Where big-time composers hang out with up-and-coming producers. Go to driveat5.com. That's D-R-I-V-E-A-T-F-I-V-E.com. And check out Velingo. Driveat5.com. All right, let's listen to some music. Here is a track by Future Fate off the album Fat Synthesizer, and this is Midnight Haze. And that was Midnight Haze by Future Fate. 
and that is a cool track off the Fat Synthesizer album. I dig it, you should dig it too. And while you're digging things, why don't you like Beyond Synth on Facebook? That's facebook.com slash beyond.synth.podcast. All those likes uh, fill up my belly with uh, like goodness. I'm actually rubbing my stomach. (laughs) I'm doing the gesture to myself. Anyways, uh, like the Facebook page, uh, that's a good chap or lady. What's the lady version of chap? Like when you say like, hello, old chap. Hello, old lady. (laughs) Uh, You can also check out, obviously, soundcloud.com slash beyond hyphen synth. That's where all the episodes get posted. And check out Andy Last on Twitter. That's my Twitter account, but that's basically the Twitter account for Beyond Synth. I don't really say personal things on there too often. Although I did... The other day, just because I I got really frustrated with a movie that had this shitty fucking title, and now everyone's boycotting it anyways because I guess they like tried to like chuck a dog into like a whirlpool or something. <laughs> I haven't watched the video. <laughs> you know, honestly, I've watched so little viral videos. I always see people talking about them, and they just fucking depress me. You know, where it's just like, oh, you want to see that video of like the behind the scenes where the zookeeper like beat the shit out of that monkey and got fired? I'm like, no. Why would I? <laughs> What do I want to see that for? Anyway, this movie's called A Dog's Purpose, which is the worst fucking title I've ever heard. Next to When the Game Stands Tall. There was a movie about football last year called When the Game Stands Tall, which is, without a doubt, one of the worst titles I've ever heard. I don't think I need to go into why they're terrible titles, but A Dog's Purpose is like... You know when sometimes a movie comes out and it's got a title that's a little on the nose, uh, pun intended, and, uh, you know, people are like, well, that's a little, you know, on the, like, a dog's purpose. Is that even considered on the nose? Like, that is just, like, here's what the, like, ah, it just drives me nuts. I can't even articulate how much I dislike that title. So people are boycotting it now anyways because they tried to, you know, like, throw a dog into some turbulent water. And that's a fair reason to boycott something. Like, they shouldn't be fucking hurting animals to make a dumbass film. But I suggest also boycotting the film because of the terrible title and make them know that we will not stand for titles like this and also animal abuse is wrong. Let's listen to another track. I always feel bad when I say something really stupid and then throw to somebody's song because then if they're going to be like, hey, you can listen to my track on this podcast and right before their song plays, it's like me talking about people throwing dogs into pools. And anyway, here's a track. This is by Annie Bacon. Now, I think she normally does like folk kind of music, but she also has some people that do remixes of her tracks and give them a more sort of synth wavy kind of vibe. I believe it's a producer who goes by Do I Dare. And uh, here's a track. This is Annie Bacon, What We Said, the Do I Dare remix.
And that was Annie Bacon with What We Said, the Do I Dare remix. And I think Do I Dare uh, remixed a few of her tracks. And, you know, I always like that when you have artists that aren't necessarily part of the synthwave scene, but they have sort of unique vocal styles or whatever, and then it gets blended with the synthwave. You know, that's something that I've always really dug because, you know, there's certain vocal styles that are like, I'm not going to say expected, you know, but there's certain vocals where you're just like, yes, that totally suits, you know, the synthwave vibe or that retro 80s kind of vibe. And then there's other times where, because I simply love electronic music, that when you take that synthwave and you take unique sounding vocals, um, it sounds really cool. And I always like that aspect, you know, kind of like uh, Mears, you know, Michelle Mears from uh, Blushes. You know, when I first heard that track, it just sounded really unique and cool. And I think she's doing some interesting solo stuff now as well. So that's, uh, that's cool. So let's, uh, what do you want to do here? Let's go to the mail sack. Hey, today the mail sack is brought to you by Vilingo.com. I don't know. Just <laughs> when someone sponsors the show, I'll just say every segment is brought to you by uh, Vilingo. But uh, remember, that's driveat5.com. Uh, so let's, uh, <laughs> let's open up the mail sack. Hey, faithful listeners, writing to the show, hoping that you know. This was a letter from Bit Apart, and after he sent me this message, he also sent another one saying, Do you know you got a solid snake voice sometimes when announcing a track on your podcast? That's really awesome. Can you read the letter in your solid snake voice? And then in brackets, just kidding. Well, I'm going to... I'm going to try. I don't do this very often because it hurts my throat. <laughs> That's not all it hurts. I <laughs> Uh, am I leaving that in? Okay. Now, keep in mind, I can only ever do a solid snake voice when I say the word... Metal Gear, Metal Gear, Otacon, Metal Gear, Meryl. <laughs> so that's my Metal Gear voice. So let me let me try and gravel this up. So the bit apart says, he's written some letters before. Thanks for answering my questions on your show. I thought I sent you a message about my opinion on VR. I played it on the HTC from a friend and knew I have to have such a system. Compared to the HTC, the PSVR is less expensive, but still expensive. Meryl. So if you ever try VR, I recommend you try Job Simulator. That game works well in VR. Also, EVE Valkyrie, or Battlezone, which is in a Tron-like universe, and especially London Heist. It is true you get motion sickness from certain games, but you pretty much notice it in the beginning. You begin to feel a bit uncomfortable. Otacon. I got motion sickness after playing Battlezone an hour, but it seems your brain gets used to the VR, and since playing in VR is really exhausting and intense, an hour gameplay is fine for me. All in all, I think they did very well in trying to reduce motion sickness. There is no head movement unless you turn your head when walking. The tanks in Battlezone VR are also not moving up and down like we expect from a tank when driving. But since every person is different, it's hard to say if you get motion sickness from a game. So far, it is the best VR experience I tried. It feels like the future and is really immersive. Of course, your idea of augmented reality would be the ultimate future. Look forward to your next podcast. 
Have a great day. Best regards from Switzerland. Pietro Francesco. Metal Gear. All right, thanks, buddy. Uh, that hurt my throat. <laughs> but yeah, that's uh, that's interesting to know because I haven't tried the VR yet, and it's still something that I'm just sitting there like, how have I not tried this yet? You know what I mean? I'm 35 years old. You think someone would have just stumbled into my house with a VR set and said, you know, try this? Uh, but most of the time, it's just people stumbling into my house telling me to try heroin. <laughs> Anyways, if you want your letters read on the show, send me a letter. Just title it MailSack. You can send me a direct message to Twitter on the Beyond Synth Facebook page and the SoundCloud page and just title the message MailSack and I'll read it in the MailSack. Now, here is a track from Hubrid off the album Prototype. And this track is called Horizon.
And that was Horizon by Hubrid off the album Prototype. And in fact, I think Hubrid is French, so it's possible that he pronounces it Hubrid. Comme ça, but I'm gonna say Hubrid because that sounds a little more badass than Hubrid. Hey, je m'appelle Hubrid. Uh, J'ai fait la musique uh, uh, Champs Elysees. All right, that's it. <laughs> hey guys, let's uh, go to the Patreon. All right, you know I got Patreon supporters, and uh, let's talk about them. Alright guys, Beyond Synth has a Patreon, alright? It's patreon.com slash beyondsynth. If you like the show and want to support it, uh, you can check out the patreon.com slash beyondsynth. And there's lots of different levels of donation and they all have really terrible prizes. But uh, every little bit helps. So, I mean, if you want to just donate a dollar a month, you can do that. Um, some people have donated higher amounts and they get uh, different perks, such as being able to listen to Beyond Synth episodes uh, early, get a special video shout out and of course uh, through the Patreon you can also sponsor Beyond Synth and uh, those are different uh, tiers for that as well. So let's thank my lovely patrons as always I'd like to thank Power85, Brendan Callum, Rivonia, Ben, Ben, Bending Unit 22. I fucking get stuck on that one every time. <laughs> Bending Unit 22, Lunar Baboon, Knox Bellow, Terrence Thompson, Nathan Winter, Russ Nyes, Data Suck or Data Suck, Seach, The Fear Merchant, Simon Norberg, Kanaz, Argen1981, Russell Hugo, Nougat Ninja, Kyle, Night Raptor, Mitch Wiseman, Katner, Girls with Tails, Zycorax, I90RR, Python Blue, Eric Valerio, Tomas Shabubinichek, uh, Common Synths, Chris Schmokel, and uh, now we're going to go to my lovely $5 Pattersons. These guys donate 5 bucks a month uh, because they are cool. There's Kai, there's Saloya, and Lucas Ceballos, Xra's Music, Joe and Lando, Roman, Philip Huberger, Devious Raven, Bobby B., John Eternal, Will Lowe, Dougie Fresh, Lame Robot, Mono Memory, Replicant 81, Florence Bullock, Matthew Lister. Wait, is that new? <laughs> Hope you guys enjoyed that. <laughs> Uh, Matthew Lister, that looks like a new uh, donor. Hey, buddy, thanks for donating to Beyond Synth. It means a lot to me. You're a cool guy, Matthew Lister, and I hope you go on to do great things. And then there's Hellroy with the donation of the Beast. And now my lovely $10 Pattersons. There's Jake Last, Trevor Resnick, Colin Bennett, Jacob Wick, Fraser Davidson, and Victor Garza. 
Thanks, everyone, for donating to Beyond Synth. That's patreon.com slash beyondsynth. If you want to donate to the show and get a shout-out, maybe even get a video shout-out, depending on uh, how much you want to donate. And if you want to sponsor the show. Speaking of which, today's show is sponsored by driveit5.com. So go to driveit5.com. Damn it. Find out some cool stuff and uh, all that shit that goes on there. Driveit5.com. Anyways, guys, thank you very much for donating to the Patreon. Let's listen to another track. This is Nightwave with Hyper Reality.
That was Nightwave off the album Alpha. And that was the track Hyper Reality. And you are listening to Beyond Synth. And uh, I got The Midnight coming up in just a bit. Or You know what? Let's just go to The Midnight now. <laughs> man, I got no rules here. There ain't no rules on Beyond Synth. It's fucking lawless, man. Although, within that lawlessness, there's a very strict and basic structure. But anyways, uh, thank you guys for listening to Beyond Synth. Here is my conversation with returning champions, The Midnight. Alright, and I am here with The Midnight again. Returning champions. How's it going, guys? What's up? What's up? The Midnight, of course, is Tyler Lyle and Tim McCune. <laughs> Did I say it correctly that time? McCune. That sounded right with a very Scottish accent. McCune, yeah. basically. McCune. McEwen. McEwen. McEwen, yeah. Pretty pretty straightforward. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> You're a pretty straightforward Scottish guy. Uh, exactly. Well, I'm mostly Danish, I yeah. think. I couldn't <laughs> speak Scottish if my life depended on it. So what's been... Uh, <laughs> what's terrible opening... <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm making noises. I'm making noises with my coffee cup here. Let me let me remove my. Okay, we can cut that out. No, we're, I don't cut anything out in this show. That's rule number one. So you guys uh, make awesome music, and uh, you're back because you guys uh, released a, an album a little while ago that we're going to talk about. I should also point out you guys are in different cities. If this is the first time you've listening to the Midnight, you should go back in time and listen to the first time they were on because that's going to be the one with all the biographical information and all that stuff. This is a catch-up. But, of course, uh, Tim is in L.A. and Tyler is in New York. Yes, sir. That's all the biographical information you're going to get today. <laughs> so what's been uh, what's been going on? Maybe I'll just bounce between uh, between you two guys here. But uh, Tyler, what have you been what have you been doing? Oh man, uh, a lot of stuff. I was uh, I was on the road a good bit this fall. Uh, played a festival and some weddings and uh, a lot of traveling. I do a little podcast, so I've been working on that. And then Tim came to New York. This was in October, and we uh, started to lay the foundation of our upcoming live shows. So Ooh. that's what I've been up to. How much preparation goes into that? A whole lot, Andy. A whole lot. <laughs> <laughs> and that's that. <laughs> right, because I mean, if but if you're in like different cities, right? Obviously, you're not necessarily going to be able to jam necessarily. So like, do you guys have like a block of time set where you're going to get together? And I flew to New York. And I was there for four days, like three nights, I think it was. And um, it was basically just to carve out some time where we could just be in the same room and sit down and go, okay, what, how the hell are we going to do this? So a lot of my, I mean, obviously Tyler has been performing out for so many years and is just such a veteran at it. So it's, it's very helpful for me because I don't know what the hell I'm doing. So most of it is me figuring out the technical side of things because it's not going to be a live band kind of situation. It's going to be more working off of tracks and me playing around with filters in the background uh, while Tyler's the sort of the front man. It was really kind of just playing around with the, there's a program called Mainstage, which is what we'll probably end up using. And uh, yeah, that, that was kind of just figuring out, well, what songs are we going to be performing at? And when should we aim for our first gig? Like what what time, like how long will it take me 
to get this ready and for us to be able to maybe rehearse a bit and all that stuff. So just the kind of basics and the general logistics of it. But I think we were talking about maybe doing a, I don't know if I could call it a tour, but something comes summertime. And by that time, we should have played a few gigs here and there. I constantly get people asking me, when are you you know, performing in DC and New York and Canada and LA and stuff? So there is a demand and we've been wanting to do it for a while. It's just getting in a room and sitting down together and go, well, how are we going to do this? So that's kind of what, what that was for. So when you were... Uh in New York then were you sleeping on Tyler's couch oh we spooned that's how we did it he came in the bed my wife and I and then Tim no they have a, a, a lovely little apartment uh, well it's not little it's uh, it's it's massive no they have a great new place they just moved to it's considered in Brooklyn right Tyler am I have I got my geographics wrong one one would consider it Brooklyn yes okay well one does um, I do and uh, yeah so I, I crashed on a uh, on a mattress in the living room and it was like sleeping in a palace. So, like, uh, what's uh, what's your address, Tyler? And what's your home phone number? My social security number and credit cards <laughs> read as follows. Um, no, I live on on in a beautiful little neighborhood called Park Slope on Fifth Ave. We moved here a few months ago, and it's very nice to live in a good neighborhood. We we moved from a less good neighborhood, so I've never felt comfortable living in like I've lived in some sketchy neighborhoods, mm-hmm. and uh, it's one of those things that I think it's worth the price sometimes to just oh man if you gonna pay a bit more rent but it means like when you walk out your door you don't feel like you're about to get murdered well new york is different because you're you know smush smush smushed smushed that's how you say it Mm -hmm. you know if you live in the burbs and you're you live in kind of like a dumpy or neighborhood like you still got your house and your car and like things are safe and you got your own little kingdom but here everybody's smushed together and so if you live in a in a little bit worse neighborhood it's way more a part of your everyday life than uh than if you live out in the burbs that's also the the interesting thing about cities in general i mean like i'm in toronto and it's it's funny how like there's just these sections where it's just sketchy and then you literally just cross the road and then it becomes like a nice part of town right and then somehow the sketchy people sort of like stay within their boundaries like there's some sort of like invisible electric fence and it's it's fascinating anyway let's uh yeah, well, I mean, <laughs> you know somebody who doesn't want to pay five dollars for their coffee will ever go into the five dollar coffee shop that's a good point it's called gentrification andy this is uh it's, it's good and bad um i forgot that you were in toronto though my uh, my wife's sister which i guess would be my sister-in-law is in town from toronto and she speaks very highly of that city. Mm. It's been a while, but I really, I want to go back to Toronto. Toronto. Yeah, no, Toronto's okay. Although I don't really do anything. No? I talk about just like, oh, it's nice to live in there, but really, I'm just a guy with kids, you know? I just stay at home and play video games. That sounds great. Oh, let's listen. Let's let's listen to some music. Oh, okay. And then we will uh, talk some more. So, of course, we are talking today about the album Endless Summer by The Midnight, and we're going to listen to the titular Endless Summer track right now. So this is Endless Summer by the Midnight. Stronger 
sang such mad crescendo Four bare feet on a rain-soaked street Summer airbrushed fever dreams
And that was Endless Summer by The Midnight. And I'm here with The Midnight right now, Tim McEwen and Tyler Lyle. Hey, hey. We're talking about gentrification, <laughs> which is what I imagine we would all be talking about today. I live in a very sort of, uh, that's what my neighborhood is. They're slowly uh, fixing it all up and there's lots of nice little like lesbian owned like fresh food markets and stuff. They're the best. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> They're the best. <laughs> Anyways, man, Tim, what have you been doing? I saw on the uh, the Midnight Facebook feed that uh, you just got a new television. I did, and someone got <laughs> very mad at me for posting a picture of it. Why? Uh, because it was he was saying, oh, God, just get a personal page already. No one gives a shit about your TV. <laughs> and I, it, it hit me hard on an emotional level, uh, but I have to now deal with the, uh, the consequences of the fact that no one cares about my TV other than myself and my dog. I love that someone can appreciate appreciate you as an artist but then still be mad if you say anything that is like just slightly unrelated yeah like, it's just funny to me like, yeah, he, was, he was very rude <laughs> and i was kind of taken aback by the amount of uh, of anger from a picture of a tv but hey you know we all have our issues and our baggage he might have been abused by a tv when he was a kid you never know <laughs> so there's that well uh in honor of that guy Let's talk specifically about your television for a moment. <laughs> you know, I just moved into, I moved to a new a neighborhood, actually. I moved to Thai Town. I was in West Hollywood before, in LA, obviously. Uh, I moved to Thai Town, which is um, right between Los Feliz and, um, well, some say Feliz, and however you pronounce it, and um, Hollywood. It's kind of right by the foot of uh, Griffith's Observatory, and it's uh, a really awesome area, and I love it. I found a little apartment, and I, I love it. And it's, um, yeah, I've been just pimping it out. What does Thai town mean? I don't know that one. It's like a, you have Koreatown and uh, Chinatown and all that stuff, but, but it's Thai town, so there's a bunch of Thai food places and stuff. All right, so like Thai as in Thailand, like not like Taiwan town? <laughs> nope, nope, Thailand. <laughs> yeah, I'm literally right behind like eight 
Thai restaurants. So I live right off of Hollywood Boulevard, which is not as glamorous as it sounds. <laughs> For those who know about LA, they know that Hollywood Boulevard is not glamorous. So are you like smushed together with a bunch of lady boys then? I haven't seen <laughs> any Thai people that live here, actually. Are they are they're in the restaurants. I wonder what that's about. Gentrification. Yay! Anyway. It's <laughs> um, <yeah. laughs> really weirdly political. This is a very socially aware episode. This is good. Yeah. I know. I know. We're talking about the world. Uh, the climate we live in. And uh, so I've been I've been doing that. I went to London uh, for a week to write on some some pop tunes, um, which is what I do uh, for half of the time. I write pop songs for other people, and half the time I do the midnight. So I had to go to London and uh, had some sessions there, and uh, that was cool. And then I came back and uh, had to move to a new apartment. So it's kind of been what I've been busy with. And then I released since. The Midnight is growing now. Uh, I obviously did a remix of one of Tyler's own songs a few, oh, it was that a year ago, I think, called Lost and Found. We just called it the Midnight Remix, but essentially it is one of Tyler's songs. So the process in which Tyler writes something and I put music to it was exactly the same uh, as if it was a Midnight song. So I did that and um, I was contacted a few months ago by an indie band called Scavenger Hunt, who are also LA based. And uh, I've done a, just done a remix of one of their new singles uh, and it's it's out everywhere. It's called never enough and I'm really really happy about it and they're, they're great guys and I'm actually doing three days with them um, this week uh, so because we really got along and um, creatively I think we could do some really cool stuff so there's going to be a midnight scavenger hunt collabo I think somehow we'll figure out what it is but it was fun anyway so yeah I'm, I'm doing a few remixes here and there and um, just building it and people are asking for new you know are you guys working on a new EP and I, I'm thinking to myself geez I just killed myself for three months to release a full album but <laughs> that's good though that people want more and there is definitely more music we were just talking me and tyler about you know we have a few loose ideas here and there but we should really start working on new material soon so we can get that ball rolling really yeah yeah i feel like you uh sidestepped my question about your television i wanted to hear about this tv i i'm so sorry uh that was really selfish of me and um <laughs> i'd like to apologize. <laughs> i got a sony x 800d i think it's called does that do hdr it does it's 4k bro i upgraded to a playstation 4 pro but um i don't have a 4k tv and if i were to if I were to get one, I have to get a good one that also does HDR, and then... Is the Pro the, the VR one? I know they have a VR one. Is that that? It's something I shouldn't have actually supported. Essentially, like, the video game consoles are trying to do this, like, new business model where they have, like, a slightly upgraded system during the console life. So it's still just a PlayStation 4, except it has a little bit more power... So it, uh, some games have options where they run at smoother frame rates, and some games have the option to upscale to 4K, and I believe it also makes the PlayStation VR run a little smoother. Okay. But the PlayStation VR is a separate thing. That's a virtual reality headset you buy for the PlayStation 4, which costs like fucking 850 Canadian dollars. It's probably like 600 something in total if you get all the fucking bells and whistles. Yikes. It's a lot to keep track of. No. <laughs> I agree. Tyler, do you have a cool television? Uh, no. We downgraded televisions recently when we moved. Uh, we needed a smaller television to fit in our, uh, in our little built-in wall cabinet thing. So we, we dropped about five inches from the television and we, we couldn't be happier. <laughs> so I bought a PlayStation 3 a few years ago and, and every now and then when my wife goes on vacation or a business trip or something without me, I'll pull it out and then I'll get addicted to it for like a few weeks and then she'll have to hide the cable so that I can't plug it in uh, because I've 
<laughs> I'll get too addicted. So I have to be very careful with my video games because I will lose my soul uh, very quickly. Yeah, no, I understand. My son hogs my PlayStation. I think we talked about this last time, didn't we? When you got addicted to uh, and started dreaming about Grand Theft Auto. Wasn't that something? <laughs> Oh yeah, actually, maybe the last time we talked might have been when I was in, you know, mid-fever Call of Duty paranoia phase. (laughs) That that sounds about right. Well, listen, let's listen to another song, (laughs) and then we'll uh, we'll talk some more, right? I I forgot to ask any questions about the actual track we just played, but we're going to listen to another one, then we'll talk more about it. Uh, This was a cool song I dug. This is called Daytona, and uh, it's by The Midnight.
And that was Daytona by The Midnight. And I'm back with The Midnight right now. Tim and Tyler, and uh, you're going wild with some uh, synth solos on this one. I guess that would be Tim's department. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I can't uh, claim the praise for that solo. That's um, one of my good friends from Denmark. He's uh, an incredible synth player, keyboard player uh, called Mass Storm. Um, and he's amazing. So I, I reached out to him. I said, listen, you know, I could do something on this, but I couldn't do anything that's anywhere near as amazing as you could would you mind do you have time do you would you mind uh putting down something and he just went nuts on the track and mm-hmm. i loved it so that's that's the great thing about being able to pull in all these talented people that i know that track i really wanted to, to feel like those video games that we played when we were you know outrun is a classic example the, the game outrun i think it's like 88 or 89 and i wanted to feel like that 16-bit video game where you're just cruising down the highways with a blonde woman on your seat and uh, life is good. (laughs) (laughs) With the track Endless Summer, it was almost mostly an instrumental track with some sort of like sparse vocals here and there. I was just wondering like, Tyler, did you write that stuff for the music or did you have like this little thing and then and then Tim you sort of took those vocals and just sort of like placed them in like a much larger track I mean how did how did that process work yeah we started together in a room Tim had sort of the beginnings of the track and I just sat and, and wrote the words out and then we, we demoed the vocals and then Tim sort of built out the track from there but I mean it was a pretty quick process endless summer I think I only had a few hours that night to work because I was in LA for only a few days but yeah that one started organically the the, the old-fashioned way with the two of us in a room together. And Tim, you know, did like he normally does the majority of the uh, the actual hours working on the track. That was one of the first songs that we did for the, you know, quote-unquote new album. But it was uh, almost two years ago, so... <laughs> uh, <laughs> because I had just moved to a new studio, I remember, um, in North Hollywood. And uh, it had been a while since we were in a room together. So I think it was like February. Uh, of 2015. So I remember just having the chord progression and uh, Tyler just pretty quickly wrote out these different verses and how I used to do that. I then take it and move them around and build the track from there and it could have become a two-minute song or, or as it ended up being, I don't know, I think it's like six minutes because I just wanted to feel like a progressive feeling where it just kind of felt dreamy and there wasn't really a chorus it was just more of a vibe and I think the same night we actually also wrote uh, Vampires that's right so we did all that in a couple of hours really it was pretty fast those are the demo vocals those are just the vocals that we did that the vibe was right and uh it was just pretty simple. And then the work comes in for me afterwards where I have to work on the track, which is where I really like to dig in. And I like to, I mean, I'll have a basic idea for Tyler to write to, but generally I, I always like to have the vocals before I really dig into the production because I have to know what I'm building it around. Um, you know, so that makes it easier for me. I'm not one of those guys that just has finished tracks lying around i'll have ideas but i definitely won't spend a week on a track before i have any of the vocals it just sort of it's hard for me to finish it without knowing what i'm what i'm finishing if that makes sense yeah 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 you know what tyler yes last time we talked i went on this big rant about how i didn't like the sure sm7b Mm-hmm. And then you were just like, but you know it's a good mic. And I'm like, I know it's a good mic, but it records at this really low level and blah, blah, blah. Anyway, after that conversation, I ended up uh, getting one again. <laughs> and that's what I use now and I've used since that time. That's a little follow-up. I'm so glad to hear it. I, I'm talking to you on the uh, the SM7B right now. And uh, it's never done me wrong. 
there was this point where I was trying to use a, uh, like I had an audio uh, fucking, uh, uh, like a microphone processor that I had bought, and I was plugging the mic in, and I, it was, I had this cumbersome setup, and then uh, I was like, ah, fuck this. And then I just went and got a Shure again, and then uh, for some reason this one just, something was different. Either I, I don't know what changed. But anyways, the point is that I'm happy with it, and it's <laughs> and it's all because of, of that conversation. So this is a... Uh, that's it. I don't know what the point of that was. Just wanted you to know. Well, I'm glad I can make a small difference in the world, you know. One does what one can. Is there something you want me to know? No, I think it's preamp, really. It's a dynamic mic, so you don't have phantom power, and you need a you know a mic pre. That's really it. You just have to have a decent mic pre. And then the SM7's great. The dynamic range is perfect. It's way better than like a, a tube condenser mic, dollar per dollar, in my humble opinion. <laughs> And this has been Mike Talks with Tyler Lyle. <laughs> so, Tyler, I see that you've been doing lots of fucking... I was looking at your... Uh, I was supposed to say lots of fucking... Lots of, lots of touring lots around. Of <laughs> I'm not a good interviewer. This got really awkward. Um, <laughs> <laughs> we went from mics to dicks. Well, I was say a lot of fucking touring, but then I forgot to say the touring part. Because I was looking at these, uh, just lots of these videos of you, like, performing, doing some fun performance things and stuff. That was my research, you know, looking at your guys' pages. Excellent. And uh, w- while you sort of promote a lot of your music, Tim is talking about what he's fucking eating and the uh, televisions he's bought and movies he's watching. I know, and I'm going to stop. I promise. I promise everyone who's getting really tired. I think it's just because I've been excited about my new apartment. So, you know, don't you dare take that pleasure away from me how how dare you be excited i know well it's also a little more complicated because tim's private social media is the midnight handle for pr stuff and for personal stuff you know it's it all gets lumped into one thing whereas and and i'm certainly not you know updating on the midnight because tim's doing such a good job of it but i think that's where the trouble may start yeah, it's funny because I just did a show with this uh, group from England called uh, Empathy Test. Oh, yeah. And it's funny because you guys are like the opposite. Because <laughs> in Empathy Test, it's a producer and a singer, but the singer is the one that does like all the promotion right? and all that stuff. And the producer just kind of like does his thing in the background. He's got like several projects on the go and stuff. And then like uh, with The Midnight, it's it's the reverse, right? It's like the producer is doing all the promo and it's almost like... Tyler just shows up like Krusty the Clown and like just kicks in the door and like sings for a few minutes and takes off. And then like Tim's sitting there scrambling to see if he even had time to hit record. <laughs> That's basically you just described our process. <laughs> in Nashville, in Nashville, if you write the melody and the uh, and the lyrics, you've written the song. But in Los Angeles, it's all the top. It's you're just a top liner if you write the melody and the songs over a track. So it's uh you know it's a little bit of a schizophrenic thing that we do. It's hard to really kind of dice it up hopefully once the live show comes uh, i will feel like i'm contributing a little more you know <laughs> well the way i look at it it was also the, it's it's the end product i mean inherently the job of being a producer is just much more time consuming because tyler's such a fast writer it's just so intuitive that's what makes the process really fun and easy for us both because it's basically like we were talking about last time we were on the show i think it's a playground for us so there aren't really any rules it's just whatever we dig at the time and um that's amazing so there's nothing other than ourselves determining what we should do so because i'm a bit of a picky producer as well i like to take my time to things. so it's not that tyler's sitting back going oh i'm just gonna you know you you do this and i'll go to the movies or whatever (laughs) 
the role of a producer is just inherently a bit more time consuming and it's a gift and a curse sometimes but and at the end of the day I, I do love when it's something you love it doesn't feel like work it's I wouldn't be doing it if I didn't love it and uh, Tyler has his own solo career which is his sort of baby he's been nurturing for many years and then the midnight has become that for me whereas not to say that Tyler is just a guest appearance or whatever not at all because uh, I believe that the midnight is that perfect match of both our two worlds uh, if you will but in terms of the aesthetic of everything how it's all dressed up in terms of the 80s look and feel and the Instagram and the images and that's just me living out my uh, my 80s dreams and uh, it's just fun so uh, it's never felt to me like there was an imbalance because when you're doing what you love to do and I'm interacting with people on social media, it's fun for me. Even though it's it's getting to be a lot, but it's also something I'm not looking at as work. It's something that's part of my day where I, I talk to people and uh, it's fun. But um, yeah, I promise no more food posts, guys. I appreciate <laughs> promise. Well, you have to do it now. I mean, like that's you got to stand your ground. You know what I mean? Yeah. I'm going to just post a selfie of me drinking a cup of coffee just to spite everyone now. Well, you should. I would. (laughs) Spiting people is awesome. Hey, let's listen to another track. This was a fun one with a a guest vocalist. So this is Jason featuring Nikki Flores by The Midnight.
And that was Jason by The Midnight, featuring Nikki Flores, and I'm here with The Midnight. Right now, Tim and Tyler. So, this is a fun song. I always dig these kind of like call-and-response type songs with like male and female vocals. Mm-hmm. They make me happy to listen to. So, how did you guys get hooked up with uh, Nikki? I've known Nikki for some years now, and she's a, an amazing singer-songwriter. She has put out some stuff and has been signed to various labels throughout the years, so she, but she's been working as a writer for years for other people. She's written for Christina Aguilera. She's just, I have a bunch of songs on JoJo's new album. So she's she's a working writer and works with a ton of people. But she's also, besides being a ridiculously amazing vocalist, in terms of the technical side, like probably easily the, the best vocalist I've worked with, just in terms of like pitch and skill and being able to run circles around everyone when it comes to ad-libs and stuff like that. And her ear is amazing, but she also has amazing taste. She doesn't overdo it. So she comes from the R&B world um, but we've as I said written a bunch of stuff together and she's just awesome so it was actually just a session between me and Nikki and we actually started it when right when we released the Days of Thunder EP so it's a while it's been sitting there for a while and I was really in the mode of the midnight back then it's, this is like the summer of 2014 so we just wrote the first verse the verse that she's singing on and uh, the and the chorus and obviously the ooh part and we wrote that just being like ah this is what I feel like writing and can we just do something that feels 80s and cool and whatever and she was like sure I'm down so that idea was sitting there for a while and um, about six to eight months later is when I had her back in and we were like we were written writing or something else and I was like wait what if, what about if I, I had an idea of, what about if this becomes a midnight song and I I had Tyler over he, this was when he was we were writing Endless Summer and Vampires and played it to him and I was like would you mind could you do a verse on this we could maybe do it a duet or whatever he's like sure I like it it sounds cool and then he wrote the killer verse and suddenly it was this crazy awesome duet and I, I said to Nikki you know would you be down to feature on, on it as a midnight song she's like fuck yeah and by that time she was a big fan of the midnight too so she was all down to go from, from day one and uh, that's kind of how it came about yeah it was hard to figure out what that song was about but then I liked the idea of you know the hapless wanderer this dark complicated fellow I had to kind of figure out who Jason was before I uh, wrote my verse but a year into listening to that song I prefer Nikki's verse to mine so <laughs> yeah it's just like a, a, a fun weird little song and I was glad to meet Nikki she's a very talented songwriter and got a great voice and it was cool to work with her that verse um, th- those lyrics it's funny you mention it because me and Nikki were when we wrote her verse and the chorus and uh, I remember coming up with the kind of slightly cheesy chorus idea where it goes oh Jason tell me what you're chasing I said I know this is super cheesy but I kind of like it because it's just a bit over the top it's leaning into what it is so much and she's like no I dig it I totally get it and from my point of view trying to write it's that stereotypical archetype 80s leading guy if, if that makes sense almost a pastiche that's that it's that it could be a horror movie it could be a romantic comedy it could be whatever you want it to be but it's that dude that can't really commit but he's handsome and it's like he's got all the ladies it's that those classic 80s movies that they've become a cliche but they've become a cliche for a reason and i kind of wanted to just do something that really felt like that which is also why i really tried to model the beat around uh, maniac from uh, flash dance and a funny little tidbit about maniac that song uh, by Michael Sambella was actually written for the movie Maniac, which is a horror movie, which is why it sounds a little bit creepy and eerie in some in the verses. And they actually changed the lyrics to fit it in with Flashdance. 
not many people know that. You know what we should do now? Play some music? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing but that was, talking. But that was a lovely story. I enjoyed that. I enjoyed teamwork and collaborations and things, and uh, it makes me happy to hear, and it was a good song. I don't know what I'm adding to this conversation right now. Okay, let's listen to <laughs> let's listen to another track. This was a cool one. It's kind of like down-tempo. It had some nice vocals. This is a track called Synthetic by The Midnight. Trying to move on, been black and blue Trying to turn the old into something new You found somebody, I found someone too She got everything I need, yeah, but she's not you And that was Synthetic by The Midnight. And I'm here with The Midnight right now. Tyler and Tim, we're just talking about 
uh, what are we talking about here? Music, writing music, the process, horror films, Michael Sembello, gentrification. All the good stuff. Yeah. All the good stuff. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Synthetic was, synthetic was the one song is the one song that I actually sing on, on the album. I don't know if, uh, I think most people know that just because it's a different voice, but not everyone knows. So I'll just clarify. But yeah, that song was written a while ago. You'll notice that the writing style is slightly different just because me and Tyler come from different worlds. and Denmark. Denmark. <laughs> Denmark. That's how I write the Denmark sound. Mm. Uh, maybe that's true. Maybe there's a bit of Scandinavian pop writing in it because that's what I come from, mixed with kind of the American influences. But it was a song written a few years ago, and um, I just took it and tweaked the production a little bit because I always really liked the song and it never had found a home. I actually had my publisher, BMG, were interested in it, sending it to Justin Bieber and Chris Brown, but it never got it happened. It never got done. And they wanted to change a few things. And I was like, I, I kind of felt like the track was perfect. So I thought, fuck it, let's just put it on the album. And um, I tweaked the production a little bit and made it fit into the sonic world of the rest of the album and i think it worked out pretty well even though it does maybe stick out a little bit in terms of not being so highly driven but it's nice to have a little lull in the album in the middle of the album i think how do you feel about this then tyler is it, you you listen to this and go like here's tim like horning in on my uh vocal uh <laughs> no i think tim has an amazing voice no, I mean, I mean, let's not talk about it let's not talk about it he, you hit a sore subject, Andy. Don't, don't mention <laughs> <laughs> You just sit there, like, listening to that song with, like, your fist clench, and then the reason why you had to replace that old TV is because you kicked and punched it? <laughs> no, I love Tim's voice. I think he's a great songwriter and, and singer in his, in his own regard. He posted uh, an old song that he started many moons ago, uh, and, and I helped, you know, write a few verses on back in the day. It's called Comets, and he posted it on uh, on Instagram the other day, and there was, there was some fucking guy that was like hey tim you don't need tyler just do this on your own and i was like fuck shut up shut up we got a good thing going here <laughs> that was one time tyler decided to get involved on the instagram and actually comment on one of the and go hey hey you hey you i <laughs> uh no i think tim's a great songwriter i try and earn my keep with my um lyrical wizardry which really just means that i read a lot of weird books and try and keep tim happy by writing quickly and pretty that's that's what i'm, that's trying. What I'm trying to do just trying to dance around with my feathers oh my god i i'm uh, i sound like a benevolent dictator right now um, <laughs> <laughs> it's perfect the system because oh, this setup really for, for me because i i don't write very fast when i'm writing lyrics for myself or like by myself um i'm very picky but I, I, i'm very slow it's a very bad combination so it's perfect because if it was just me i would never get anything done and i would find it too much to write a whole album so in this way i get to you know every couple of years I'll, I'll, write, I'll write a song about something that's intensely personal for me and I can't just spit out the lyrics like Tyler's able to do. So in this way, I really get to just kind of come when I feel something is good or good enough, I get to do that and then the rest of the time I let Tyler do the hard work of writing all those lyrics and being amazing at that. So it's it's really the the best of both worlds. So Tyler's still the, the lead singer and that's what I keep saying. It's not like I'm trying to, you know, move in on his stuff. That's not what I'm interested in. Tyler, uh, what the fuck is Cheddar Life? One of the VPs left BuzzFeed and started an online lifestyle company. I don't know if it's like a magazine or like an online video thing. You know, they had a studio in the Flatiron building and I came and sang some songs for them. That's the extent of my relationship with Cheddar Life. And it's really funny that you bring that up because that was a while <laughs> back. Because <laughs> well, I saw... 
I'm going through the thing and I just see like Cheddar Life. I'm just like, what the hell? Like Cheddar Life. Then I saw you with a guitar. So I didn't know if it was like some sort of uh, partnership with cheese. <laughs> I wish it was no cheese that day. No, it's like uh, I don't know if you have morning shows in Canada. Like we have morning sh- shows, but they're they, it's kind of in the same format. I, I, it's a tech startup. I wish them well. I have no idea really what's what's going on, except that uh, a good contact from BuzzFeed left there and went to Cheddar Life and and brought me out to play. So uh, yeah, I don't. It's it's no more complicated than just some other random thing in the sea of random things. <laughs> <laughs> that I that I do on a weekly basis. You know, your picture on your band camp is like you like a one-man band with like the fucking, like the drum oh, yeah. on your back. Do you ever play like that mm-hmm. or is that just you posing? You know, that's just me posing. Just trying to look pretty. <laughs> Caught. Uh, yeah, I, you know, it's, I, I sometimes play with a real band on the coasts when I play, but it's, uh, it's usually just me and a guitar. Yeah, fair enough. That's the cheddar life. That's what I like to say. That's a catchphrase of mine. <laughs> <laughs> are you are you trying to get that one started? I don't know. I don't, <laughs> that's cheddar life, bro. Uh, it never works. I look really lame when I say it. I'll tell you what. <laughs> we're going to listen to some more music. The Midnight are very talented, and you guys make very lovely tunes. Thank and you. We're going to listen to one right now. This was, uh, this was a track I think you released earlier on a comp. It's called The Equalizer. Yes. In brackets, not alone. Should we talk about the track before? <gasps> Should we do that? That's a, mixing it up. Should I introduce the track? Ooh, look at that. You want to introduce the equalizer? Yeah, so should we do this? Are we are we being crazy next level podcasting geniuses? Well, then, we you see, what's going to happen is then I'm going to get that guy who complained about your TV. He's going to complain like, how come they were talking for 15 minutes in between tracks? <laughs> well, I can just say that that track was just uh, kind of a, a fun vibe. And um, it was actually made for this compilation. And then um, it was kind of a rush job, but I, I think it ended up really good. And I really liked it, which is why there was no vocals by Tyler it's not it's just kind of a, uh, an instrumental vibe and then we decided to put it on the album and a funny little tidbit is that pretty much the chord progressions are the same as the song Jason which is why and it's also the same BPM and the same key because Jason was it was built from the Jason track but it's just a half time feel so now you know that and now you can listen to it I tell you what I love tidbits and I love this song so let's check out The Equalizer by The Midnight
And that was The Equalizer by The Midnight. In brackets, not alone... Because there's a robot lady voice that goes, not alone. So, uh, yeah, and I figured that wasn't Tyler. Hey, you got a robot lady on uh, another one of your tracks, too. On Endless Summer, there's a robot lady that pops in, too. True, true. It's actually a um, an online voice generator. Some website I found where you can generate speech. Um, you can write down what you want her to say you can choose the voice and then it comes out and you can download it as a wave file and then by means of, of a lot of pitch shifting and stretching and you know stretching the words so it fits into the, the track I, I've made these weird melodies but I really think that I love the synthetic quality to it you also got a track called synthetic <laughs> true that we played earlier I just love synthetic stuff hey you also love uh, I was scrolling through the, the midnight feed and I'm sure that guy who got pissed off about your TV was probably really happy to read I'm fed up with juice, and all I can think about is a donut cheeseburger. There you go. Did you get that thing? No, because I was juicing. Is that something you can get? Or? No, I just uh, it's a nice way to get rid of my cravings by sending that into the world and letting people know that I really want this thing, but uh, therefore I, I didn't get it. That was very strong. This is making me realize that I need to stop tweeting about food. <laughs> I think that's basically what you're trying to tell me. Is that part of the uh, the LA lifestyle? Is this juicing business? Juicing? No, no, it's uh, I don't well, I don't know if it's LA, but uh, I got a juicer recently and I love it. It's so like it, besides it being super healthy because of all the nutrients, uh, it's just it's awesome. So I figured I'd wanted to do a little bit of a cleanse, detox, whatever you want to call it, but just kind of like give my body a break. And I just did a three day. They call it a juice fast, but you're not fasting. You, you're just drinking juice, and it sort of gives the body a little break, and uh, you get a lot of nutrients. Um, and uh, but you know, obviously, you, don't, you can't eat cheeseburgers on that on that juice cleanse. So burgers are my favorite food. You could juice a burger. I'm pretty sure it could be done, and it would be delicious. How would you do that, man. You got to get the texture of the beef. <laughs> How about you, Tyler? Do you like juicing? I juiced this morning, actually. Uh, yeah, I like juicing. I'm a member of a co-op, which is super hippie, and I. Get get my kale for really cheap and i have a juicer as well so the co-op is everything i love the co-op tyler introduced me to it it's amazing tim came to the co-op but uh yeah it's life is about balance you know you gotta have your kale and you gotta have your whiskey and it's uh it's boring uh, in between <laughs> yeah it's like sounds like something yoda said once similar <laughs> <laughs> yes much juice fasting you have to do you see, Luke, right, when Luke lost his ship on Dagobah in the swamp, he didn't believe, you know, strongly enough in the Force. And he couldn't lift it himself, you know? And he sa- he told Yoda, he just says, you know, like, you ask the impossible. And then he walks away. And Yoda just closed his eyes, effortlessly lifted up his hand and caused that ship to rise from the swamp. And he set it down. And then Luke said, you know, I don't believe it. And then, and then Yoda said, that is why you failed. How does that relate to the midnight? Oh my god. That is the most uh, random question ever. Uh, Tyra, over to you. I'm very sleepy today. The do or do not, there is no try. We've we've actually this is an interesting time for the midnight because we've just sort of stumbled into this thing and we've we really enjoyed it in the beginning and that's why we kept doing it and we were proud of it even when nobody was really listening to it. And now there are ears and eyeballs and it's and it's kind of an interesting time to where it's like, okay, what's the next step? Uh, we can't 
sort of continue at the same pace and we've got a tour and we've got to put out some more music the next step is going to take a little more effort than than the previous steps yeah it feels good though it feels good to be in this space i my music is is another thing but the the folk music kind of has never kind of reached the level that the midnight is now so it's uh it's a it's a crossroads we're at the crossroads we got to figure out what like the next big step is and uh Yes, yeah. we gotta lift. We gotta lift the X fighter or yeah. the X. I don't, I don't. I wasn't a nerd enough. X wing. X wing uh, out of the out of the mud or some nerdy bullshit. I, I don't know. How do you suppose Luke got that ship working? Like it was completely submerged. You think that would have fucked up the electronics? Well, it's a spaceship. No, no. I don't. I don't. I mean, it can just be in space, so it has to be airproof and waterproof. No. I mean, these are the assumptions you have to make because he did get it working. It was like covered in spinach and shit. You know what I mean? <laughs> like when that thing came out and all that goo. <laughs> Spinach, the classic. <laughs> he, he was juicing on that Dagobah yeah, yeah, planet. Yeah. So much juicing. <laughs> I'm so glad we're having this conversation finally. This is what people really want to listen to. People talking about Luke lifting X-Fighters and stuff. Well, I could also go back to one of your quotes from your uh, page. Oh, God, no. Please stop. <laughs> uh, here's one you said around Thanksgiving. <laughs> you might be having the best Thanksgiving ever. But I just made a raw no-bake brownies, and they're glorious. And I'm watching Uncle Buck. Boom, living the dream. <laughs> Did you watch Uncle Buck on your new television, or was that before it came? No, that was on my that was on my laptop, and it was it's so good that movie. I love John Candy is the best to me. John Candy is Christmas and Thanksgiving. Like he has so much heart, and it's always like, heartwarming. And that one, and planes, trains, and automobiles. I have to watch it. Like John Hughes just knows how to bring it. Yeah. <laughs> love it yeah i used to watch scarface on a yearly basis but uh when you have kids you can't watch some of those movies anymore all the time those are mine it's funny like i don't have too many comedies on my list of like movies on rotation but it would be like scarface and alien and uh, terminator films and stuff and there's all these things that i can't really watch anymore that would be my thanksgiving film scarface oh wow see scarface i never got into but maybe i just need to rewatch. maybe i was too young to sort of get it maybe i just need to rewatch it what i love is it's a silly film in a way it's almost like a cartoon yeah so i think sometimes people watch it and then like i i just always loved how ridiculous like everyone's really it's like a the whole movie is over the top Mm -hmm. and the soundtrack is awesome like it's got these really super cheesy like like Giorgio Moroder disco songs in there and like yeah. Rush Rush to the Yayo and stuff. I just love they're just in a bar and like they're dancing and the song is about cocaine. Like, this is a ridiculous film. We love ridiculous. Yeah, I mean, that's what the 80s were. It was over the top ridiculousness, which is amazing. That's to be celebrated. You know, it is for sure. I love, I, my thing is it's just um, now, even though we're having a few projects here and there that people are making that are 80s inspired, some have been cool, but a lot of them are like ironic you know like it's got to be oh if you're doing an 80s thing it's got to be like a joke and you have a character walk in with a mullet and like big shoulder pads and you play cheesy music or whatever to me embracing the spirit of of you know like the 80s stuff means being unironic because they were unironic like all the cartoons are like the most ridiculous concepts but they're just there and there's no one winking going like isn't that weird that we're riding dinosaurs like they just are you know because it's the 80s and they can just (laughs) do what they want you know irony wasn't invented until 19 1993 <laughs> that's true and, it's, and as much as i enjoy that kind of stuff even like you know like comedy like i do like you know when people wink at the screen and you know like see get it you know because we're in the 2000s and we've seen everything but 
there is something awesome about seeing a, a project that just is just unironic, but also has that kind of eighties vibe to it. You know, Stranger Things, like Stranger Things, took itself seriously. Oh yeah, it did. That could have been wink, wink, e- easily, and I'm so glad it didn't. I mean, there is a cynicalness uh, to today's because we've been through all the cliches, we've been through all these different kind of tropes, and now I guess it, as a creator talking to the, the younger generation who kind of is going to just like roll their eyes at anything because it's like, oh my god, this is so cheesy. And and it might be hard to be serious about it, but um, when something is earnest and it's kind of wearing its heart on its sleeve, I, I think it's very endearing. Uh, and it takes a little bit of guts, I think. It's easy to be cynical and meta. You know, it's, it's a little bit easier to be, It's a dis- you keep a distance from it. So it's hard to be criticized when, when you're not taking it serious, you know? Tim McEwen, I 100% believe in what you just said. That is a perfect sentiment. That's my, that my thoughts exactly. Because there's lots of projects I see where I'm just like, yeah, it's, it's that distance. It's safe. It's like, it's riskier... Because, you know, we talk about all the, with comedy and whatever, like, oh, and comedy and these things take risks by being, like, offensive or whatever. And to me, I almost feel it's more of a risk to be sincere. Because sometimes your sincerity could be something silly. I mean, like, I'm still trying to work on this damn, like, robot show I've been working on for years. Part of the, the fear and the excitement of it is the fact that it's, like, it's dudes in robot suits and it's not a joke. And it's going to be hard to sort of straddle this line of going, like, I make a thing that's unironic. And then I go, well, someone's going to be able to watch this and go, is this guy for real? <laughs> like, watch the thing, like, what the fuck is this? But that's kind of the reaction I want because it means that I'm being, like, true and serious to the, the vision or whatever, right. no matter how silly or, you know, that sort of thing. But it's riskier, I think. The same with the music, too. I mean, what you were talking about before with the lyrics to Jason, you know what I mean? I mean, you can play it safer and take out some of those cheesy lines, but when they're there, it's that great kind of cheesiness that makes something awesome, you know, and, like, elevates it. Yeah, and it's. I think, to me, it comes with a confidence. It's inherently more risky if you're, whatever you're doing with art, entertainment, whatever you're doing, by being sincere, it takes a little bit more guts i guess it's easier to play it safe and go oh, yeah it was just a joke so anyway you know who cares but if you're really leaning into it there's a certain confidence that comes with that and i think with the midnight if we you know pertaining to that um there has never been an irony or a distance but i, I also don't think that our music lends itself to that because there isn't for me there is no reason to be ironic about it because it's just what we like you know tyler's I mean, I can't speak to his process, but to me, he's no less sincere when he's writing for The Midnight. It's not like, okay, let's write some jokey 80s stuff, because they're really, it's not like, I mean, I make it sound 80s, but his lyrics and the way his his pictures that he paints are the same as when he's, in my opinion anyway, I don't want to speak for yeah. Tyler, but they're the same uh, as for his own stuff and when he writes for, for other people and himself. And it just becomes this... Thing when I wrap it in my world, my sonic world, if you will. Right. It's really nice to have the um, style to, to put the substance in. Samuel Taylor Coolridge said, what comes from the heart goes to the heart. And in some ways, the production allows me to even be a little more sentimental, a little more emotional, not for artifice sake, but the music itself is kind of disarming and you're kind of allowed to get a little, some would say cheesier, some would say emotional, but like the images of a couple on a beach or a lost love or sand in your hair, like these are like, these are images that you carry with you and they're no less real whether or not, you know, you want to prove your intelligence by making it ironic or cynical or real and sincere. And I, I think, you know, I feel really grateful that for whatever reason, it's way easier 
to kind of get into that raw emotional it, it might be pastiche it might be nostalgia but you know there are parts of that kind of aesthetic that still exist these images are real and they come from a real place and and I want them to go to a real place and I think that perhaps that's you know why it connects on some level because you know it, it comes from a real place yeah it's awesome Jason not so much but <laughs> some of the other songs for sure well let's listen to another track here and this is a cool one you mentioned it uh, earlier on in the show but we're going to listen to it now this is a track called vampire <laughs> forgot the s <laughs> i'll intro it correctly this is vampires by the midnight
And that was Vampires by The Midnight. And I'm here with The Midnight today, Tim and Tyler. Uh, that's a cool song. It's got a great uh, sax solo in there, uh, which was fun. <laughs> Maybe this is bad and they'll take away my, like, 80s card or whatever. But I'm not fond of the sax, but the saxophone solos that you guys have had I think in- we need to end this call right now. Um, no. <laughs> I think this good and that's goodbye. That's <laughs> knowing you. You've got some that are really great that like I find really catchy. I'll say some sacrilege things right now. One of the songs that I hate the most in the world since I was a kid is fucking George Rafferty's Baker Street. And I will say that publicly. You know what? I can't even remember that song. I fucking hate that song. Oh, like, <laughs> I love it. <laughs> it gets in my brain and it's this awful tune when there's these like kind of these songs that are in pop culture and they annoy me and I sort of analyze them closely because I'm like what is the fucking melody here like what if this was played on another instrument like I'm not big into uh, R&B like diva type stuff like you know Beyonce does like nothing for me like that kind of music and when I was listening to like put a ring on it because that song drives me nuts she's singing like circus music you know what I mean like it's this popular song it's like if you like it then you should put a ring on it if that wasn't a vocal then the tune is like na 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 and it drives me fucking bananas. It makes me upset. It's the cadence. That's why it's it's the pentameter, man. The but up but up but up but up but up. It's not the it's not the notes. It's the uh, it's the cadence. You know. All the boys they get round that sack, but the bed all back and da da da. Like Hollaback <laughs> no, Girl and I was like, oh, I can't do it. All those songs, they remind me, I think it was even like Sunglasses Kid I was talking to who said this to me, but it reminds me of childhood like schoolyard taunts. That's the <laughs> that's the cadence. When I listen to any of that music and like, that's what it brings to mind. It's like little kids going like, man, and 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 like at another kid. I think that's probably also why it is catchy because everyone's heard that like, like that whole tone is something that everyone knows. But that's why I love all this synthwave stuff because there's these wonderful melodies and stuff and the whole point of this was a compliment to say that the sax solos in the midnight tracks are good and they elevate an instrument that i normally don't like into something that uh, that i think is cool the only other saxophone song i like in 80s culture would be the uh, like the lost boys when the muscle guy is playing oh yeah that sequence is ridiculous but that song is awesome like it is a fucking great song yeah that those notes like it's a it's a really catchy it's a hook in the song it's very simple but it really is effective it's dope um, well, I'm glad to hear you like it. I mean, uh, I think personally it comes down to the musician playing. And, and fortunately, we're lucky to have uh, a guy. I mean, he's almost like the third hidden member of the Midnight, uh, Thomas Edinger is his name. He's a Danish musician, um, saxophone player, and he's incredible. And uh, I've known him for a bunch of years, and um, he plays on a ton of stuff. Recently, he was just in L.A., and I saw him perform. He's touring with Lucas Graham, which is a Danish pop act uh, who is kind of blowing up over here now which is great so I got the chance to hang out with him and he actually put a little bit of sax down on a remix I'm doing for an indie band at the moment but um, he's incredible so really there's not really any direction involved when I'm working with him I just go do your thing in vampires I think I just said make it you know scream make it so over the top that as you can but he always chooses great notes just his taste is impeccable he has a great ear for pop he can do soul funk and all that stuff but when he's doing straight pop which is what this is it's not you know jazz he's not playing funk horns or something he knows the tone in which he's working within so um he's just got fantastic taste and that's what it really comes down to to me so when you cast it right you don't really have to give much direction i think what's this uh, song about vampires we talking literal vampires here or uh 
metaphorical? Oh man, I think it's um, uh, American Psycho era, New York, Midtown Manhattan, cocaine, foggy mirrors, we're all vampires sort of trying to, you know, bite others to stay warm and survive. And it's like there's a very desperate sort of, of pairing up and it was just kind of trying to paint the picture of kind of a hookup in that kind of world. Yeah, they're all they're all vampires. Now, I remember last time we talked, you talked about your sort of like lyric book that you write your or like jot down ideas and such. So, like when I just asked you that question, the first thing you start talking about is sort of like imagery. Mm-hmm. So, like, is that what powers your brain? Like when you start writing, like do you focus on an emotion or do you see like sort of pictures that conjure those feelings? Like, how does your brain function when you're writing your lyrics? I mean, really, it, it depends. For the midnight, I tend to focus on images. If you want to do a deep analysis of the midnight songs versus my own like personal stuff that I write it's probably a little more image driven it's all aesthetic you know the whole world and I think just trying to make little dangly jewelry for the mind that's a way higher goal than trying to like you know tell a moral or like um, tell the full story all the way I I would much rather just kind of paint a pretty picture yeah I dig it (laughs) where's going with that I don't think I'm on today. I think my my brain is in another fucking zone right now. I just picked up a arcade controller so I can play my arcade emulator games with like a proper like the stick with the buttons and stuff. Sweet action. I'm just looking at it out of the corner of my eye because I gotta I gotta program it. But uh, we can probably like wind this down. Is there stuff that we haven't uh, talked about that we uh, that you guys uh, want to talk about that I may have missed? I'm sure I've missed something. My TV. Yeah, we can talk about that again. We Does it look good? We never really talked about. No, I'm just kidding. Do you notice the difference? Like when you have it in like 4K, if you watch much 4K content? There isn't a ton of 4K content. I was just joking about the TV. No, I, I wasn't. No, 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 no. Let's, no. <laughs> let's make it quick. There isn't a lot of 4K content, but there's some stuff on Netflix and uh, it looked great. It looks fantastic. I got a Sony TV, so it's, it looks great. I mean, obviously it's not the $2,000 TV, but uh, it still looks amazing. So I'm very happy. Anyway, enough about my TV. <laughs> this was great. I can't think of anything else. I don't know. Tyler, is there anything else you wanted to mention? I, I think both of us are in a way more exciting place uh, creatively and sort of as far as the future of the midnight goes than, than we were the last time that we spoke. And so I'm glad that people are listening to the record and um, we're both kind of starting to think about the next year and what it could look like. So we're really excited to see what the next year brings. I would like to add um, an extension of what, what Tyler just said. I think the last time we spoke, the album wasn't out and we had maybe, I think we had released one or two singles. Anyway, uh, the album dropped and um, I think none of us had any kind of idea of what to expect and I mean that completely honestly I didn't really know the amount of people that were waiting for the album to drop and they would buy it on the first day so it was incredible to see and feel the amount of support and love and and uh the reach really that we had built um over a course of two years since our first dp dropped days of thunder and uh to see that was insane um it just grew and grew and grew and grew and grew and it's still going it's still selling and uh it's people are streaming it i've noticed we we have uh listeners on spotify every month and it's just insane to me because it's only dawning on me now that the the amount of reach and i i I sort of daily get messages from people on twitter and facebook and instagram going you know big fan of music blah blah blah. you really it touches me and it helps me through hard times and it's just amazing what the internet could do that we just it started with us uploading six songs to bandcamp a couple years ago and now we have this great dialogue with 
kindred spirits all over the world and uh, that's the magic so thank you to everyone who's bought the album and is supporting us and uh, streaming it and listening to our music it's just uh, incredible so thank you come see us live in 2017 that'll be exciting and uh, uh Tyler do you still do that thing where you make like a like a short EP once a month that people can like subscribe to is that still going on I sure do yeah it's called the secret layer and it's uh we're about to put out episode 12 so it's been a full year now and that's been working out well that's been a fun project it's been awesome yeah i've i've written somewhere in the realm of like 60 or 70 songs this year just to kind of keep it going and uh i'm gonna try and do it again next year it's not good for making money but it's really good for creative production and it's really fulfilling to kind of like check in at the beginning of the day and and work your eight hours and and know exactly what you're what you're doing because I, i tend to be kind of aimless if i don't have a project i'm working on yeah 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 i know that feeling it's good to have a thing. I know, like, uh, this year with the podcast was the first one where we actually, like, have it on a schedule. Usually, I used to just do 15 a year, but then I started, like, a Patreon, and then even though, like, the Patreon's not, like, huge, it's enough to show there's people interested, and so it, like, it keeps me going to, like, keep making the show and making sure it, like, comes out on time and stuff, so it's nice to have that that push. I'm looking at your Patreon page right now. That's amazing. Yeah, that's really cool. Yeah, there's a funny video on there. I know that thing, so, like, it's cool to... Uh, uh, it's cool. I don't really have anything else to add. <laughs> Today's a terrible day. It's like someone says something and then like my addition is like, yes, it is good. Like, go, go play with your new controller, Andy. Anyways, guys, it was uh, it was fun to talk to you. You too, brother. Awesome. The new album is good and people uh, should listen to it. Lots of great tracks on there. Thanks for having us on, man. We really appreciate yeah, it. Yeah, this is fun. It's fun to have people on. The show would be pretty dull. I've done a few episodes without a guest. I don't think people care for it too much. It's sort of like one hour of me talking about donut cheeseburgers and watching Uncle Buck. It's like the audience goes like, where's the other people, you know? Basically my Instagram feed. Yeah. Oh, my, <laughs> my Twitter feed, sorry. Yeah, just imagine that for two hours. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, you guys have a lovely L.A. day and a lovely New York day. Keep making awesome music and we'll, uh, you know, next time you have a new album out, new stuff out, you can come back on again and I'll uh, I'll try and have some questions prepared. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Thanks, Andy. And that was my conversation with The Midnight. Those dudes are super talented and you should definitely listen to their music because it is very, very, very good. It gets the Andy Last thumbs up. And that's all I got to say. So I think maybe we'll uh, leave with a track this week. But thank you guys for listening to Beyond Synth. Don't forget to follow the Facebook and the SoundCloud and the Twitter. And uh, hey, if you want to follow some other Twitters, check out Power85, because that's where Beyond Synth plays every Thursday nights at 8 p.m. Eastern. If you want to catch the show early, there's a sort of a live show and a chat room that goes on. That's Power85.com. You can follow uh, Power85 on Twitter, at Power85Radio. And uh, do it up. And of course, uh, Beyond Synth, you know, the jingles are done by Hoo-Ha, and the theme song is by Ogre. Anyways, guys, have a great week, and and uh, here is a cool track that I dug from Mitch Murder. This is, I'm going to pronounce it, uh, instead of doing the French, I'll just say it's, this is Coop to Theater uh, by Mitch Murder. <laughs> this is Coup de Théâtre by Mitch Murder off the album After Hours and I'll catch you guys next week on Beyond Synth or is it Coupe de Théâtre it's either Coup de Théâtre or Coupe I'm going to say Coup 
C-O-U-P. My French is terrible. Coup de théâtre. Au revoir. Ha, 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 ha.